Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your plant material, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. It is Saturday morning and we have a discussion about what's impacting your yard. What about that specialty garden space? Should you be doing anything to that vegetable garden? Uh, now that you've finished with all your cool season vegetables and everything else. How about your houseplants? How are they doing? What is potting mix, by the way? And should you be improving your soil or just say, well, there's plenty of tough plants out there. I'll just start growing some tougher plants. Shearing? Should you be shearing things? How about pruning? Uh, how about looking for bugs and diseases? Uh, the information I will share with you are based upon 40-plus years of uh, playing in the outdoors. And as Tracy always says, you seem to like it outside by yourself more so than anything else. Well, that's kind of the real truth of it. Oh, and by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me over, whether you're listening in your car, your house, or whatever it happens to be, <laughs> wherever it happens to be. Another very important player is Ethan. He's producing, and he will answer the phone. He just needs your first name when you call in. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's an email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Uh, The stroll today is brought to you by... St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344, with locations all over the metropolitan area. Uh, Lights were racing up and down, highlighting architectural features. A red tractor trailer sits near the gate. Rod iron gate, a cool gate with a giant eagle over the top of the gate. Smokes and steam rises from numerous locations. LED blue lights, woo, make some deciduous trees really look like they were from Mars or something. They can't be here. Arch passageway through a building makes a fantastic tunnel to cruise through. Silver piping goes everywhere, up and down and all around. White lights highlight the shrubbery. Unlighted trees still holding on to some of their leaves that were there for last 
fall and still holding on, though brown. And one of the building complexes, and this is one of the building complexes, industrial complexes, in South City, the Soulard area, and it offers tours. Where is this? Well, a giant eagle says, this is Anheuser-Busch. And I'll tell you, the lighting was just nothing but fantastic. And uh, Anheuser-Busch has been here for a long time. Unfortunately, they, well, not unfortunately, but... They're part of a giant corporation now, and uh, but boy, they have done a really fantastic job. Every year they do, but this year it seems to be a little bit brighter than usual. I think they're doing more with the LVD lights. And so if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Why don't we try to get Nancy in before we take a break? Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a couple questions. Uh, I have inside, I brought in the hanging plants. How often should I mist them? And is that as good as watering? And uh, how do you take care of a poinsettia with watering? And then when it gets warm, do you take it outside or what? Yeah, you can. It's a tropical plant, so you can take it outside when the weather gets warm as far as your poinsettia goes. As far as misting versus watering, two totally different realities. And the misting really doesn't do much at all. The watering is really essential for the root system. So misting, if you just feel like spraying some water around, that's fine. But uh, it's humidity. But uh, if you have a humidifier on your furnace, that's probably going to be adequate humidity, and you don't really need to do misting unless you just like to. But the watering is really important. How do you know how often to water it? Uh, basically, I know you have them hanging, but uh, just kind of, it just depends upon the individual plants. You can't just routinely say every five days, every seven days, every nine days, or something like that. What you have to do is just kind of watch the potting mix. And I always say just when it starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot, that means it's getting pretty dry. Then you should water it thoroughly, and then don't water it again until it starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot. A lot of times overwatering, especially in the wintertime, is really a disaster for the plant material. And how often do you water poinsettia? Uh, Again, the same thing. Just watch the inside of the pot. When it shrinks away, then you go ahead and water it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's a physical thing. And the water, what it does is expand your potting mix. And consequently, when that happens, then there's plenty of moisture there. When the root system and just the air in general in your home uh, starts uh, drying out your potting mix, that's when it needs to be watered. So let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Mike. I just two days ago, I had three tree stumps ground out. The trees were removed, and they came back and ground them all out, and they backfilled basically with the wood chips. So what I want to do this spring is remove as many of them chips as I can and then uh, backfill with topsoil. And I'm going to say they ground it out maybe three to four inches deep. Uh, you got any other advice from me, sir? Uh, basically, just don't, be, don't anticipate too much because this is going to be horrible locations that you're not going to really be able to grow much at all. So just understand that with three inches of topsoil compost mix or anything at all that you would put there, 
It's still not enough, and there's still a lot of wood there underneath the ground, whether it be chips or, you know, root systems and everything else. And as that starts to implode or slash die, it really binds up nutrients. It really causes some real major problems just in general. It soaks up moisture, too, and that's why basically nothing is going to have really good success. And that'd be a waste of time trying sod then, too. So Yeah, that would be kind of expensive, and it's not going to be successful. It's going to okay. take a couple years before they finally implode enough that you're going to be able to have some success. Okay. Hey, thank you for your service, brother. Sure, my pleasure. And Mike Miller, KM Walsh Garden Hotline. Questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we have phone lines open. If you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I've been saying, you know, I've been doing lots of stuff related to plant material for a whole lot of time. And for the last... Oh, 20 years or so, I've been going to people's homes. And I tell you, one of the ways to protect your plants is understand what the plant is that you like and is it going to be a hardy variety for here and then finding a proper location for that plant. A lot of times the plants are placed in a spot that's not exactly to the advantage or to the proper, uh, let's say, uh, location for that plant to be robust. Sometimes, yes, it is, and they overgrow the space, but that's what you need to do is just do a little research first and find out how big this plant's going to be, what kind of root system it has, is it able to grow, let's say you have existing trees or something like that, is it able to grow in a circumstance like that, can it take shade, does it need sun, how about the soil drainage, and all those kind of environmental factors is can be really detrimental to your plants. And it's really very, very disappointing, you know, for you as a homeowner to actually take this, you know, a, you spend some time, money, and everything else, either planting it yourself or having it planted, and then find out in a, you know, a, a period of time that it's not going to do so well in that location. Either it's going to get too big, it's going to cause problems from that, you know, that particular standpoint. And there's a lots of other environmental factors that can lead to some, you know, damage, either summertime damage or wintertime damage. You never know what our seasons are going to be like. Just like Scott was saying earlier, it was it's going to be 61 in just a few days. That just absolutely seems incredible. And here it is, you know, we're almost halfway through December and we're looking at, you know, this kind of situation or this kind of circumstance. And uh, just, you know, plants, garden plants disappear. They go wild sometimes. They get too over, you know, they grow too well, whether it's a ground cover or anything else. And it's, you know, it's very, very difficult to orchestrate. It's almost like, you know, being the maestro of the, you know, St. Louis Symphony. There's all kinds of different instruments, meaning plant materials, that need to have certain, you know, they have to work together so you can have the best out of everything and it all comes out like a symphony. 
you know, like a concert, like what you want it to, you know, to sound like. So just, you know, keep that in mind for sure. If you don't do that, then you're going to have really, you know, a lot of trouble. If you still go out and or you recently went out to your garage and found out that, oh, I forgot to plant those daffodils or I forgot to plant those tulips or whatever it happens to be, you still have an opportunity or time. It's not, you know, it's not great to plant this time of year, but, you know, our weather, the way it has been, the ground is still pretty warm. And what the ground, you know, warmth is what actually makes it so it encourages plant root systems to get to, to grow. So the bulbs will be able to get acclimated and be able to, they'll be sleeping, you know, hibernating, you know, for and through the wintertime. But the root system will grow. And then in the springtime, you should still see some really good flowers after the foliage starts coming up. Some of the plants do produce the flowers before they send up the foliage, but uh, so other ones don't. So just don't worry if one's happening and the other one's not. And for an indoor plant, an indoor bulb like amaryllis, this time of year you should anticipate the flower coming up first. The flower stalk will come up. It will bloom for probably close to almost a month with huge flowers, very easy to care for. They come, you know, ready to go. You can just leave them where the, you know, what they're sitting in when you get them and just water it. And that's all you need to do. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When it finishes flowering, you cut off that flower stalk, and at that time you should see some new foliage starting to come up off the bulb. And then you just treat the amaryllis just like you would any other houseplant. So put it in a sunny location and that's going to be to its advantage. Let's head over to Rebecca's yard. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Um, I thought of you this week instantly when I was outside raking, and I looked up and my forsythia are blooming. 
not all of them, but there are forsythia, yellow flowers. And I wondered, is that just because of our weather, our odd weather? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not to panic. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And the unfortunate thing of that is, well, the unfortunate or the fortunate thing is you get to have some like highlights this time of year, which gets kind of boring. <laughs> right. But, you know, those spots that are, have flowered during the wintertime slash late fall, those particular buds will not, re, you know, they don't have time to get themselves set up to bloom next spring. So those particular stems or whatever, however many spots it is, are not going to have any flowers on them in the spring. But I'm sure the majority of the forsythia is not blooming. And so consequently, you just get to see a few nice yellow flowers. You're right. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As the soil freezes, it expands. So in other words, there's moisture in there. And hopefully, if there's not any moisture, it certainly won't expand. It'll just be a, a terrible situation. But once it expands, then when it thaws out, it contracts. And so with our freeze-thaw cycles, that can really do some damage to, you know, younger plants because that kind of tears the root, the feeder roots up. And it can really cause, you know, some uh, a situation that really weakens, it potentially can weaken. And that's why you have to keep, you know, an idea that, well, you probably already put your hoses away, turned out your, you know, outdoor, your outdoor faucets. But, uh, you know, keeping them moist is really important. And especially for anything that's been planted in the last two years. So you may have to take buckets of water out if we have a situation where we have extended periods where the, you know, the, you, know you get the freeze, you get the thaw. And when that thaw happens, it's, uh, you know, gets a little bit to dry. So that's trouble for the plant material. Dry root systems is the worst thing that can happen. And, you know, frost and heavy clay soils should be detrimental to the plant material. Certain plants can take it, like the native junipers that you see growing along the highway. They're growing in rocky, well-drained soil. So you don't think about that, but that's exactly what's happening. And just keep in mind, you know, when you're thinking about plants or when you're with your existing plants, just kind of watch yourself as you go out and water it because watering is really extremely important this time of year. And if you don't do the watering, it's going to be detrimental. As I said before, it it's worse for newly installed plants. It's worse for evergreens, but also just anything. Now, large trees and you know that kind of situation, you really can't water those with buckets. But uh, individual shrubs and things like that, perennials, ground covers, you can. But if you have a large, you know, large amount of ground cover, you're probably not going to be able to water that. So hopefully you've got it watered going into, you know, as the weather starts getting colder with that freeze-thaw cycle, which is going to come. I mean, I still can't believe it's going to be 60, you know, next week. And who knows, a few days from that, it could be low of 23. And that's where that, you know, that trouble comes from. Let's go over to Joan's yard now. Hi, Joan. Hi, Mike. Um, is it too late to put down winterizer on the lawn? Uh, yes. 
It's not going to uh, – even a cold season lawn, I would not do it this late. It's just uh, you could be forcing so – not necessarily forcing, but you could force some growth that uh, could be detrimental to if we do get a cold snap really quickly. So that's – it's not uh, it's not ideal to do. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Any kind of fertilizing, you know, fertilizing – except for something called deep root feeding, and that's where you use an electric drill bit <laughs> or electric drill with a bill, you know, with a, a soil bit on it. So you auger holes into the ground and you backfill those holes with compost. So you're not putting fertilizer down in there. What you're doing is the compost will then feed your soil, improve your soil, and that will make the plant material. Generally, you use the deep root feeding around trees, and what you do is put a concentric circles around the tree. You go halfway out from the trunk to the drip line, the furthest extension of the branches, and you auger a whole series of holes about two in a circle, about uh, two feet apart. And then you move out two feet and do another circle and then another circle. And you have to, you know, really doing that every couple years is going to be to the advantage and keep your trees as healthy as they possibly can be by, again, healthy plant material is always based upon soil. Not If you don't have good soil, you can do all the fertilizing and everything you want, but it's not really going to help your plant material at all. Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We got lines open. Give us a call. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, if you do have, let's say, the classic type roses, the hybrid teas, grandiflores, and floribundas, remember, if you haven't done it yet, you need to, that graph, that sort of center where the stems are coming up, you need to put about six to eight inches of mulch over those locations. Now, the shrub-type roses, you just treat those like any kind of shrub. So, in other words, about three to four inches is about all the mulch that they need. But the other ones with that graft, that's really crucial, and it takes about that depth of the mulch to actually protect it. So that's what uh, you're doing it. And, again, I'm going to repeat this because the lady called about putting a winterizer uh, fertilizer on her lawn but uh, this is a you know as we get closer and closer, winter is going to be what two weeks from now, or is it not quite that far away. But uh, fertilizing at that time of year really is not to the advantage of the plant material. Uh, there's still going to be uh, in your yard if you do have a halfway decent yard, you're going to see something like little piles of kind of dark dirt, uh, probably about an inch in diameter and maybe three-quarters to a half-inch you know, height. These are worm castings. And what this is is earthworm activity, and it's worm poop. And consequently, good yards have earthworms. Bad yards don't have earthworms. So if you got a nice yard, expect to see these. And it's not bad. It's not something that you need to worry about. It is got to let you go, ooh, what is that? But uh, that's kind of what it's all about. And realize that the moles, they're still actually moving around a little bit. So the ground is not quite cold enough. When it does get cold enough, they head back and they have actually have underground a little sleeping den circumstance where they have dug it out. 
That's why many times you see big piles of dirt in certain locations because whether they're tunneling or, you know, setting up a new home or something along that line, they're going to actually have to push some of the soil up to the surface because they don't eat it, they don't do anything, and it's just easier to push it up as opposed to doing something else because there's really nothing else they can do. So when the weather starts really getting cold and the ground gets cold, that means their earthworm activity is not going to happen anymore. And the main diet for the moles is earthworms. And when the earthworms are not moving, the moles can't hear anything, so they don't know where to tunnel, so they just go to sleep for the wintertime. And uh, when the weather starts warming up, then the earthworms are going to start moving, then the moles will start becoming more active. So there is still a little bit of a earthworm activity. So if you do have moles in your neighborhood, you know, you can anticipate that uh, circumstance where you could see, still see some mole tunnels, new ones even, and what you have to do is the best way to get those guys is the traps, choker loop or Victor Spear trap, something along that line. Yes, there's plenty of people that have success putting mothballs or doing this or there's also uh, a type of, let's say, earthworm-looking gelatin that you inject down into the mole tunnel, and it's poisonous. So the mole kind of, they kind of smell like an earthworm. They kind of look like an earthworm because you're oozing it out of, like with a, a syringe-type circumstance, and then they eat it, and it will kill them. So, I mean, there are a few other things besides the traps because the traps can be a little bit uh, scary, from the standpoint, setting them out in your yard, especially if you have dogs, what do you do? Well, one of the things you can do, you can set them and then put an upside-down bucket over the top of them, and that will keep uh, your dog from uh, being <laughs> hurt by the trap. And they're usually not going to hurt them, but it's still something that everybody that has a dog is going to be concerned with about putting any kind of steel trap you know, in their, in their yard I steel is not necessarily steel, but it's metal, and because it could do some you know bad circumstances for your pets. And um, dog <laughs> dogs are really kind of cool and neat, but uh, yeah, I mean they have their own lives too. So if you have a fence, they're going to run along the fence. You know whether they're just running for the sake of running, or they're chasing something on the other side of the fence, or whatever it happens to be. And you're not going to be able to have really successful lawns along a fence line usually simply because the soil is so compacted from the, you know, the dogs running back and forth. Even small dogs just back and forth and back and forth compact that soil down. And you just have to keep that in mind. This is a perfect time of year to take a soil sample and get it tested so you can find out what kind of fertilizer that you actually need for your you know for your lawn or for your garden space or whatever it happens to be because if we keep using the same type fertilizer year after year after year after year a lot of times it has certain nutrients in that fertilizer that persist other ones you know like nitrogen goes up into the air but the phosphorus and potassium just it can build up and build up and build up as to an excessive level which that is counterproductive as far as being able to help your plants grow. So we keep thinking fertilizer is going to help a lot. It does help, 
but only if you're doing the right fertilization. In other words, the right type of fertilization. So you can get the uh, the soil test done, and with the results, if you don't quite understand what you know what the soil test results are saying, take it to your favorite garden center. Let them take a look at it. They will tell you out of the fertilizers we have, this is the one that you should probably be using, not this one. Or you should do this, not that. So whether it's a, you have a lot of evergreens, whether they're needled evergreens like conifers, you know, pine trees, spruces, holly trees, azaleas, rhododendrons, you find out, oh, my pH is a little bit uh, high for these plants to be able to do really well. And that's why maybe you're starting to see some of the green fading away and kind of becoming yellowish is because the soil pH has gotten a little bit high. And even on your lawn, remember that everybody always thinks you put lime on lawns. That's not necessarily the case. You get a soil test done, find out what the pH is in the soil where your lawn is growing because successful lawns, whether they're zoysias, in other words, warm season grass or the uh, cool season lawns like fescues and bluegrasses, they like a pH slightly acidic, so below 7. So like 6.5 to 7 in that range there. If it's above that, it's not so good for your lawn just in general. And then you put lime down, then it's going to make it actually even worse. So just kind of keep that in mind. Soil testing is done by the University of Missouri Extension or University of Missouri Agriculture Department. So the Extension Department is where you, uh, you you drop it off. There's a place in Kirkwood you can drop it off on East Monroe. A phone number if you'd like to call them to find out exactly what their hours are and everything else is 314-400-2115. And their hours are Monday through Friday, not on weekends, Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 4.30. So you can drop off the sample. Then they will send it down to Columbia where the soil test is done. Then the results will be sent back up to you. There are some locations, private companies and private organizations, not-for-profit that do take soil soil samples, and they send them down to the University of Missouri as well. So just keep that in mind. And when you... You don't know exactly how to do a soil test? Well, just go to the University of Missouri Extension Service. They will tell you exactly what you need to do as far as getting a good soil sample with the adequate amount of soil, so they can do this, you know, the testing, and you'll be, you know, get the happy or good results as you know from that. So let's let's go ahead and take a break right now, and Rich will come back to you right after the break is over. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm well, sir. Thank you. Um, I have, uh, in the front of my house, I had three big oaks that died. Uh, they were probably 30-inch diameter. And so I had them removed and their stumps grinded. And now I have and, – and before that, I had put a border around it. It was kind of a landscape area. But now I, I, I've lost the trees. I'm thinking about making a raised bed area. And 
I'm asking your opinion on what would you recommend as far as ornamental uh, tree or shrub that, you know, I could put up there that uh, won't get too tall because it's between the house and the street. I don't want to create a, you know, a huge barrier, but I want to have something ornamental. So what would you suggest? As far as uh, a tree, so you're going to raise the bed above? Yeah, and I'm in Jefferson County, so I got a lot of heavy clay. (laughs) Well, pretty much everybody has heavy clay. But, yeah, definitely improve the soil as much as you possibly can, even though you're going to raise the bed, because ultimately you're not going to make the bed so huge that the root system is going to stay above the, the existing soil circumstance. But I would probably look at uh, how wide is the space that you're going to be planting in? Uh, it's a, about 10 foot. So it's pretty wide. Yes. So cons- what I would do is take a look at uh, some of the kind of tough flowering trees. My, f- you know, One of my favorites is the serviceberry, the amelanchier. It's a native tree to Missouri. It's... Uh, Spring flowering, it's flowers, white flowers before the dogwood, not the same shape flowers as the dogwood petals. But then it has good fruits that follow the flowering, red, and then it has good fall color too. And it's probably maximum height is going to be about, uh, oh, 15 feet at the most. It's relatively slow growing, and its width is probably going to be about uh, 8 to 10 feet. And usually they're sold as multiple trunks. But that's probably one of the ones I would choose. If you're not necessarily going for, um, let's say, flowering-type trees, there's a type of uh, hornbeam that's a narrow fastigata. Fastigata means just narrow growing. So it grows up kind of like a, a flame off a candle. And they're, I mean, they, there's a couple of them planted in my neighborhood in South City. And... They're narrow enough that this is not 10 feet wide, but they, you know, fit in there really well and they don't have to worry or it doesn't seem like they're getting any kind of damage from any kind of trucks or anything else going up and down the street or cars or whatever it happens to be. So hornbeam and then serviceberry would be the two that I would consider. And are those readily available at local nurseries? They should be, yes. Okay. One quick more question. Um, I had... uh, some damage done to my front lawn, and is it too late to lay sod? I would say you're you're just taking a big chance. First of all, I don't know if the garden centers even are having any sod available, and for it to actually be, you know, you got to prepare the soil to lay the sod down, so you can't just lay it down, especially if it's been damaged. So you got to mix some compost or compost topsoil into this damaged area. Then you got to lay the sod down. And then the, it has to be warm enough to actually encourage the sod root system to grow down into the ground because if it doesn't get you know any kind of growth of the root system, then if we have a severe cold snap, it's going to really just kill your sod off is what it's going to do. That's what I was worried about. I, 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 again, I'm out here at Gilles County. I see um, Gil Schrader still cutting sod. Um, so that's what gave me the thought. Maybe I could still put it down, but right. I, I think I'll wait till spring. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I mean, the spring is you know a tough time because the ground is cold. So anything is planted in the springtime, whether it be sod or trees or shrubs or whatever it happens to be, you know, it takes them a a lot or a, a time period 
depending upon our weather, for the you know for the ground to be warm enough to actually encourage the root growth. But that yeah, I would probably unless you just really <laughs> want to take a chance, and it may work because we don't know what the weather's going to be like, and so. The side may work, but I would say you're probably better off to hold off. Thank you, sir. I, I love your show. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. Thanks, bye. Yep. And other things, uh, if you live, like this gentleman, Rich, lives in uh, Jefferson County. My guess is he probably has circumstances that deer may be problematic. And uh, just remember... Depending upon if we have a really severe winter, no plant material is going to be safe because the deer are desperate. Yes, they're in the woods and they could have this and that and everything else, but it's kind of like going to a good restaurant. When they come in closer to the houses, they see, oh, wow, look at all the variety of plant material that I can eat. And then the males, you know, maybe want to mark the area saying, this is my yard, you stay out of here. So they start rubbing on the bark and things like that. But the eating of the plant material, that's, you know, really detrimental. And some of the woody plant material that they would prefer not to eat, and again, unless it's a severe type winter, is ginkgo trees, oak leaf hydrangea, gold thread branch cypress, hawthorns, American holly, junipers of any type, paper bark birch trees, leucothea, Rosa Sharon, Blue Spruce, Hypericum, Witch Hazel, Vitex, and Colwitzia. So those are woody plants that deer generally do not munch on. So, I mean, that's if you've got a deer. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, dear circumstance or a dear problem, you got to be thinking about that type of thing. And uh, another thing, too, I my favorite fall annual is the pansies. And I had a couple pansies, and they've finally kind of, let's say, gotten tired. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, see you. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott. Greatly appreciate your information and also greatly appreciate you having me on your show. Just remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. So that's really important. If you have any questions or concerns or comments about plant material, whether it's indoors or outdoors, or maybe it's something that you saw uh, as you were driving around or as you were walking through your neighborhood to see some of the holiday lights and whatever it happens to be, just give us a call or 
436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Or maybe you have an idea that you'd like to share with other people who have plant material, who have yards or whatever it happens to be, or questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, we can discuss whatever it is, the cares for it, up and downs and all arounds for annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, Ethan, he's producing, so when you call, he will answer the phone, and all he needs is your first name. During the week and on weekends both, I do landscape consultations where I come to your home and uh, do what I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It's a dual tip of the trial today. Uh, Tracy and I went up to Chicago and spent uh, several days up there, and there was four different guys in different circumstances, situations, that really did us uh, some favors, and we greatly appreciated it. And I don't, you know, didn't want to give the regular names or anything like that. But uh, one was related to uh, the Navy Pier lighting show and things like that. One was related to a concert we went to. It's at Pearlman, and another one I can't. The th- one I can't remember what it was, but also there was a gentleman in a restaurant. We ate at this restaurant. And for some reason, I didn't pick up my, you know, my debit card. So we went walking away and, you know, had some fun. And all of a sudden, my brain turned on and said, huh. So we walked back to the restaurant and the gentleman who had waited on us had actually picked up my debit card and they kept it. And then he was just gracious enough to let us, you know, give me my debit card back, of course. But then, you know, we... We we like to kind of collect Christmas ornaments, and uh, there was one in this uh, particular location in the restaurant, and he said, uh, sure, go ahead. I'll just give this to you. So he was just totally gracious and a you know, wonderful guy. So there was several different gentlemen in this particular situation that just did you know, great you know, favor for us in a couple different kinds of circumstances. Also, we drove up there, but we just parked and then left the car and just did a lot of the, you know, where we went on cabs if we couldn't walk to them because uh, we did a lot of walking, but some of them are just a little bit further away. And the cab drivers were really great as well. So I guess that would be the four, you know, the fourth person, even though there were multiple cab drivers. So that is uh, one of the tip of the trials. The other one is Peter Weiss Jackson. He's director of the Missouri Botanical Garden. He sent me a season's greeting card. And with good wishes, him and his wife, Diane, sent this. And it just reminds everybody that this is the 10th year for the Garden Glow. And that's basically grown into one of Missouri Botanical Garden's most beloved traditions. And the, the, the card is just absolutely fantastic. The sky in the background and the bald cypress trees, and it's just really 
something that you cannot believe. And uh, it's going to be throughout the gardens. You know, they have all these different lights in various different situations. It's just a wonderful, you know, winter display. So if you're looking for something to do in the evening that's going to be very unusual, very unique for here, head to the Missouri Botanical Garden and check out the the situation. And another thing about the Botanical Garden is you don't know where it is? Well, shame on you. But it's at Shaw Boulevard, which is really very close to Highway 44. And uh, the phone number, if you want more information, is 314-577-5100. Or you can go to mobot.org. That's M-O-B-O-T dot org. And the Botanical Garden, This the, the card that... Uh, Peter Weiss Jackson sent to me was a photo by Mary Lou Olson. And it, I mean, it is just absolutely a fantastic card. And also the card is basically recycled paper. So very conscientious, the botanical garden. I spent uh, four years working there myself. Well, actually five years, four years in the woodland garden and one year in the climatron and, uh, it was a wonderful experience. I did that when I f- first came back from uh, you know California, and I. It's just uh, the botanical garden has been something that's been really important to me in my life because before we moved to Ellisville, we lived only a block and a half away from the botanical garden uh, on Flat Avenue, and then my parents both were from rural Missouri. And they they liked the city. They moved into the city because my mother's mother, my grandmother, lived in this neighborhood. And so they moved in there first. And then what happened is they said, let's go a little bit more rural. And that's why we moved out to Ellisville, which worked out perfect for me. It got me, you know, into the woods and just had a great, you know, fun time. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mr. Miller. How you doing? Been listening to you for a long time. (laughs) Third house. And, uh, hey, got a quick question for you. I didn't know you lived in Ellisville, but as a crow flies, I live in Washington, Ah. Missouri. Um, Hey, this is kind of important. I called the Missouri Extension. I really can't get an answer. Long story short, I built a house, bought an extra lot next to my house, had a tandem loads brought in, and you and I both know about Bermuda grass. Right. Can't get rid of it. The question I have is I spent a lot of time on this lot, you know, seeding and strawing, and all of a sudden this summer here comes patches of uh, Bermuda grass. And you, I just, I'm just not going to be able to get rid of it. You know, I've dealt with that before. Um the question I have, and maybe I can email you, you know, to not take up no time, but I can't get a decent answer. And I thought, okay, if I got Bermuda grass, I got to live with it. But can I plant a certain type Bermuda that is better than that weedy stuff? Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. Uh, it, it, uh, I can't get a good answer, and I thought, you know, like a golf course, you know, that's why they got Bermuda on there, you know, because it gets tore up and it grows over fast, you know. Right. I thought there was a different hybrid that is a lot tougher and looks better. Is that out there? Yeah, probably what I would do is I would go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website 
and find out exactly what that hybrid was and then go online and put that hybrid in and see if there's any local sources for the seed. Okay, but I don't know. I I don't know if there is a hybrid. I was just guessing. So yeah, there, there, there probably is because I agree with you. It's just kind of like there's uh, several different kinds of uh, fescues, and some of the fescue correct. grasses are a lot rougher looking than some of the other ones. So right. you know, it's just a hybrid, and this is probably you know the ones at the golf course. I mean, if you if you play golf and you know the you know groundskeepers there, but this way you can go to the mobot.org and then find out what you know what the hybrid is or the best hybrid for this region. Okay. You know what? I'll do that because uh, my lands, I spent a lot, you know, trying to get this going. And all of a sudden, here there was like four or five patches of Bermuda. Right. And I'm like, yep. You know the old saying, how do you get rid of it? Move. You know, but, uh, <laughs> right. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, you know, everybody calls it zoysia too, but then, you know, there's a big difference there. You are kidding. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had zoysia, to be honest with you. But, uh, but yeah, if I have trouble, I don't mind saying my last name. You uh, Can I email you? <laughs> sure. If I have trouble with this? Yeah. You, just look for in the subject. I'll, I'll just spell my name. Maniac with an eyes. How you spell it? Maniachi. <laughs> <laughs> so look for it in the subject. All right. If, Sounds... if I have trouble with it, I'll sure be, I'll sure email you in a couple of weeks because this is kind of important. Okay. You know. So, uh, um, yeah. Oh, Bermuda. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Thanks a lot, Mr. Miller. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. It's unfortunate Bermuda has such an exotic name and Bermuda. Wow. Great. But the, oh, if you got it in your yard, it's not so good. So. Thanks, Mike, for calling at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. We have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You can give us a call. Let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I have a question about wisteria. Uh, I, in an alcove, I had wisteria for about three years, and you, as you know, the stuff goes wild. Yes. Um, so I dug it out, and of course, some more sprouts came up. Uh, I left them be. Uh, so, and of course, that has pretty well filled up there again. I, so, I, I'm confused. I can't remember. Uh, can I cut that back now, and and it'll grow out again and and have blooms? Uh, generally, if you cut it back severely, that's not the best thing to do as far as you know having the flowering because it well, may you know the sequence may get messed up. Now, when does yours actually bloom? Oh gosh, maybe April, May, right. So that's kind of early, and, uh, I mean, some of the locations make it bloom a little bit later. But since yours blooms that early, it's probably not going to be able to set the flower buds, so you're going to have no flowers for the following season if you cut it back. Okay, but how it's just growing like crazy. It's taking up, like, the six-foot space. Right. Uh, do the leaves just fall off on the exist, existing growth there? Right. And go again? Yeah, you're going to have long stems with no leaves, yeah. and then you're going to have leaves at the end, and that's where the flower 
you know, clusters are going to be? There won't be no leaves down uh, closer or fuller. There will be, but, uh, you know, because it's going to produce, start producing new growth, and then that new growth is going to have leaves for, a, you know, a certain period of time, but only, at, let's say, one or two years. And then after that, that those buds that have produced those leaves, you know, in previous years are not going to be functional anymore, and you're only going to get flowers, or, sorry, foliage at the, you know, at the ends. Well, it uh, uh, because I know I'm now that I'm doing it wrong. I've never had much uh, uh, flowers on it because I would cut it back right. in the fall. Uh, you know, it blocks my view almost uh, over a big picture window that it gets so out of control. Uh, so if I cut it back, I'm not going to. It'll grow out next year, but no flowers. Right. It'll grow out, and it may not grow out enough to, to, let's say, to have an aesthetic value. So, I mean, go ahead. And what I would probably do, I don't know how many stems you have, but I would cut back half the stems and, you know, and then see what happens, see if you like what what happens as a result of the ones that you've cut back, and then determine if, you know, from that factor— if you want to cut it, you know, cut it back. It's a, just, it's a huge mess now with uh, the leaves are all dead on it. But right. Still on it, you know, and it's just a huge, ugly mess. Right. Uh, so I have to decide which thing I want, you're saying, more or less. <laughs> exactly. And maybe this is, you know, you should just not have this anymore and maybe look at uh, using some well, of the, uh, let's say, the annual vines like the Morning glory, moonflower, something along that line. So when the season's over, then it's all gone. I didn't. I I took it out last year, as I said, and the sprouts had came up a couple of places. Ah, well, let them go. Then for long, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's grown out so bad. I got it ported again, and okay, okay. Uh, All right, thank you for that much uh, information. Right. I've had this. For a lot of years, uh, it's a good place, uh, I think, with some morning sun and in an alcove where I needed something to look at. Uh-huh. But it's going crazy. Yeah. Okay. And okay. the root system's probably massive. So even if you cut it all the way back down to the ground, it's still going to produce you know, new growth. But it's not going to be, let's say, obstructive to your view for a couple of years. Okay. Okay. I see. Uh, thank you for the help. Sure. Thank you for the help. Yep, my Bye. pleasure. And let's head over to Eric's. Is it Eric? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Hey, I've got about three or four questions. I've got some evergreen uh, bushes that are you know a little bit closer to the house, but on the part on the lower side, I'm starting to notice some barren areas. I was putting some Christmas lights up, and there's several areas that are more or less they're uh, – like don't have any uh, any needles or anything at all. Right. And uh, I've had some humanus bushes that have had the same thing where I had to kill, take take them out. So Would any that kind of anything. Yeah, any kind of evergreen. As if the top gets wider than the bottom, it shadows the bottom, 
And then consequently, the plant is not going to be able to produce any kind of foliage or needles or anything in those locations. Anything I could do? Well, I mean, initially from, the, let's say, when you uh, first plant them, after a couple of years of growth, you should almost make it so you have, you prune, so the bottom is wider than the top. That will make sure that sunlight will hit the uh, bottom part of it because this is what's happening. It's not hitting the bottom part, so the plant just compartmentalizes those buds, those fo- you know, foliage buds, and says, no more, you know, you're not helping my health, so consequently I'm not going to produce any you know, foliage growth in those locations. That's like the same thing oh. happens when uh, shrubs are planted close to houses. There's no light on the back side, so then you, just, you end up with just skeletized insides, even though the outside away from the house is fully leafed or fully needled. Yep, that's about exactly what that is. I've got a couple other questions real quick, if I could. Sure. Um, I've got some cannabis uh, tubers that I'd gotten from a friend, and uh, I put these in cannabis one time, but I think last year they got too wet. Anything particular? Should I set them up a little higher in the ground or any special kind of soil? Uh, just, I mean, they generally, well, there is a type of canna that can grow in wet soils, but this particular variety that you have maybe can't. But, uh, you know, if that's a location that you've had, have you actually dug up the tubers and they were rotted away? Yeah, in a couple of cases. Now, right now I've got them all in, in my basement right now, okay. a number of the tubers. Probably what I would do if you're, if it's possible in the location where you're having this problem is kind of create a raised bed circumstance. So, in other words, add some topsoil compost mix, and that way the tuber should be above where the really wet soil is. Okay, that sounds good. That makes sense. And um, the last question is I put – I usually bring my geraniums uh, in, and I put them in the basement, and I set them close to a window. Um, and I had pretty good luck the last couple of years in taking them from year to year. Could I water these or put any kind of fertilizer on them? No fertilizer, but definitely, you, you know, they, they have thick stems, so they don't need a whole lot of water. But, you know, every couple, let's say after three or four weeks, take a look at it. And if the soil feels or looks really dry, shrinking away from the inside of the pot, then go ahead and, you know, just water them gently and lightly. Not a whole lot of moisture. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for answering those questions this morning. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. In our fancy studio here at KMOX, we actually have a humidifier. Ah, It's much easier to breathe. We have one at home, of course. We have one on our furnace, but uh, usually don't have them here in the office. So it's nice to have that moisture in the air because it's really, I mean, heat is wonderful, especially when it's cold, of course. But when it's dry heat, it's like the desert and it's not quite as good. So having the moisture in the air is really a nice plus. Let's head over to Steve's yard now. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. Uh, it's Steve, your old neighbor across the street in Soulard. Oh. Um, hey there. So I'm calling. I've, I've been observing something, and I just wanted to know if I'm crazy or if this is actually something that you may have been seeing as well. But it seems like um, 
It seems like the leaves are persisting on a lot of trees uh, this year, and they haven't either they haven't fallen or they haven't turned uh, even color yet. Because I've got like um, I've got a Japanese katsura tree and a Japanese snowbell and two different Japanese maples, and they all um, they're all just hanging onto their leaves just like crazy. They haven't they haven't dropped. They don't look like they're even going to fall off this year. And it seems like some other other trees that I'm observing are just, they're not falling this year, or at least they're not falling early. I don't know if there's something um, with the weather that's made it do that or, or what. That's so what I was calling to ask about. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's the weather. I mean, by now we've had a few cold days, but there hasn't been a whole lot, but there are a lot of trees and it's climatic change, and it's, you know, the warmer weather is moving, you know, north, just like, uh, you know, they, they've been predicting for a long time. And that's why, you know, the plant material is holding onto the foliage. It takes a real cold snap to, you know, to cause the tree or shrub to sort of release the foliage. And there's certain circumstances, especially like in Soulard or places like that, where the buildings are relatively close they're brick. They, you know, have a lot of moisture as well as heat in the brick, and that you know kind of keeps the environment just uh, warmer. And that's what's happening. Okay, all right. So eventually, once we get some cold, like maybe we're going to get next week, right? Um, we might uh, we might see them starting to drop. Well, it's you know it's hard to do uh, cleanup with this stuff because <laughs> it just it goes on for weeks and months, and right. it's like okay, when are all these leaves going to fall? Right. It, you know we you know we moved to South City, but down by Christie Park, we live right across the street. And finally, it looks like the majority of the trees in Christie Park have dropped their leaves. And those were sycamores and oaks and things like that and some maples. But uh, they were hanging on until just recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and sometimes I can get, I can go out and it's like, you know, you can touch the um, the limbs of the trees and feel the leaves and they just... I mean, they don't even feel like they want to fall off the trees. Right. Yeah, they don't <laughs> you know? have that crisp feel to them. Yeah, not, not at all. So, all right. Well, global warming certainly did it. And I, just, I thought there may be characteristics of some of these trees that, you know, were the um, whatever. I don't remember what the word is, Mike, but whatever the, on the bottom of the stem that makes the tree shed its leaves. Right. Um, where, you know, what the trigger is to get them to drop those things off. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Sure. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. And now let's head over to Gretchen's yard. Hi, Gretchen. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a ginkgo, a female ginkgo tree. My yard man picked up all the leaves, but did not pick up the fruit. And I don't want the grass to smother. Is it okay not to pick up the fruit? Well, first of all, doesn't it stink? Oh, well, I don't go back there. My <laughs> And the yard man cuts the grass, so I never go back. <laughs> yeah, it's not good to, you know, to leave that fruit because it's going to more or less contaminate the ground in those locations. So your, your lawn, if you have lawn, if you have a good, tough, durable ground cover like an ivy or something, it'll be less impactful. But if you're trying to grow lawn in this circumstance... It's going to get thinner and thinner and thinner as time goes on. 
I thought when the, well, anyway, um, and then also with the warm weather, my daffodil bulbs and garlic plant bulbs are starting to grow. How do I protect them? Uh, you don't really have to do anything. I mean, okay, so when it gets really cold, they won't die? Or? No, all it'll do, you probably get some tip browning on the leaf or the foliage, but there's nothing you can really do. I mean, some people go out with burlap and things like that, but it doesn't really help all that much. And, I mean, if you want to do it, you can, but it's not going to make that much difference as far as because you're really growing these things for the flowers, not for the foliage. Oh, okay. Um, but the foliage is important because that helps build up the bulb or keep the bulb, you know, the bulb strong as possible by, you know, absorbing sunlight and nutrients from the you know, root system and that, you know, to the advantage of the bulb. But uh, I would say don't worry with it. Okay, Mike. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over, go over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Uh, Mike, I have a, uh, a Meyer lemon tree. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's not real big. It's maybe uh, 18 inches high. And when we got it, it had some flowers on it, which turned into small lemons. Um, they're about as big as uh, the end of your thumb. And uh, when it started to get cold, I moved it from outside where it seemed to really do well into the basement. It's got a grow light on it about six hours a day, six to eight hours that light is on. And now in the basement, it's dropping leaves. And uh, it's uh, I do mist it almost every day. Um uh, but I was wondering what I can do because it looks like if it loses all its leaves, it's probably done, right? Yeah, pretty much. And you're okay. not anything that you do with that, you know, in that circumstance is not going to be all that successful. So I mean, uh-huh. you can add you can add time to the lighting. I have some plants in my basement under grow lights. I grow, you know, I have them for like twelve hours. I put them where the grow lights okay. come on at five mm-hmm. in the morning, and it goes off at five at night. But these are oh, not okay. these are not like a citrus plant. So the right. citrus is just going to have it's going to go downhill regardless of what you do. To be honest. Okay. All right. Well, I, I was wondering if it would. Uh, I know some people that have different trees where they, but they they're trees they've had for like fifteen years or more. Right. So uh, they got kind of lucky. But even yeah. you know, I mean, at the botanical garden, they had you know the citrus trees. And, you know, the Mediterranean house, you know, setting. But the, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a whole different world than what, uh, you know, your situation or anybody's situation in a home. There are some people that will have some success with citrus, but the majority of people do not. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That, sure. uh, it's good information. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, it's All my right. pleasure. And, you know, the citrus like an acidic soil, so... Even, you know, making sure the soil is acidic is not going to make that much difference. So you can do all kinds of different things. It's not going to make, like I said, not much difference at all. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Ethan just told me during the break that the humidifier is not for us. It's for the electronic equipment in here. Oh, my gosh. Here I thought they were trying to take care of us. No, 
It's the electronic boards and all that other stuff. So, wow, <laughs> I did not know that. Let's head over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I have three very nice, they were very healthy over the summer, hibiscus trees, woven hibiscus trees. You know, I bought them at Lowe's. Right. They bloomed all summer. I've tried to bring them in. I replanted them in like an inch larger pot. Uh, for the winter, they're, you know, they're dropping all their leaves. I've got them under growth lights for 10 hours a day, but I just don't, I don't think I'm being successful already. And I'm wondering, did they go into hibernation when they drop all their leaves or are they done also? Well, they're pretty well, much they're done. Pretty much I mean, uh, you, can, right. you can check the stems or branches or twigs or whatever for flexibility, but it's, you know, once all the leaves are gone, then there is no food for the root system or anything else, you know, part of the, you know, the hibiscus. So consequently, they're almost something that should be, and I wish, you know, some of these companies would put, you know, something on it. Treat these as annuals. I mean, you can try yeah. them inside and you can have some luck, but the majority of the time you're not going to have luck with them. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was kind of figuring. I noticed this morning the end of the branches were dry and cracking off. I don't know if I pruned them and if they push leaves or not. No, uh, you're not going to get any growth at all during the winter time, because okay. even under grow lights, it's just the the whole environment is just not, let's say, productive. Okay. Well. <laughs> We'll just carry on and put them out for fertilizer. <laughs> also, in the future, don't plant, you know, don't transplant something into a larger pot as you bring it inside because that disrupts the feeder root system and that even makes it a little bit worse. So okay. wait until they go back outside. That's when you would transplant them into a larger pot. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, we really, you know, have tried to, you know, I've had several hibiscus over the years, and I've not really had them, you know, I've had them under grow lights. I've had them in really bright, sunny porches that were not uh, heated, but they were never getting cold enough that, uh, you know, the foliage would drop off because of the cold, and, uh, you know, it just didn't work. So, anyway, let's go now over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Regarding hydrangeas, I've got a hydrangea bushes and uh, also kind of two trees that are hydrangea trees, I guess, because they were shaped that way. Right. When do I when do I cut the brown flowers off and and cut them back and how far can I cut them back? Basically, the the flowers can be cut off any time that, you know, once they start finished, let's say, aesthetically blooming and turn brown, they can be cut. As far as when you prune them, some of the hydrangeas bloom in the spring, some bloom in the summer, and some even bloom late summer, early fall. So the pruning, if you're trying to just prune them to shape them or to control the size, is going to be determined by when they actually bloom. The spring ones, you bloom, you, put, you prune right after they finish flowering. The summer ones, you prune basically in the fall because they're going to produce the flower buds on the new growth of that year in that you know that spring and then the flowers are going to open up in the summertime and the same with the fall ones 
So yeah, these always bloom. Yeah, these bloom always in the uh, uh, summer mainly, and then also in the fall they're shooting up additional flowers. Okay, so what you can do is those should be pruned as we come out of winter time, sometime around Valentine's Day, and get them pruned before any kind of new growth begins. Okay, around Valentine's Day, but I can put off the brown flowers now, so nothing's too heavy with the snow in the winter time. Exactly. You know, I mean, some people like the aesthetics of the brown flowers, but they really have very minimal. Okay. All right. Well, I'll uh, wait till Valentine's Day and cut them back. Thank right. you very much. Yep. It's uh, you just want to make sure that you. I mean, it doesn't have to be done right then, but just make sure that you do the pruning before the new growth begins because. You don't want to interrupt the uh, flowering cycle. Other things that we need to be thinking about this time of year is just, wow, all the decorations that some of the yards have, I'm just amazed. It's incredible. These inflatable things, they've become so popular, and some of them are, are so huge. I can't, I, you know, I'm always curious, like, Amron must love this because they must get a huge amount of money from all those uh, pumps that inflate those, but... Also, just you know, make sure that even though the weather's going to be nice, but once it starts getting cold, just walk through your yard and watch for certain things that may be problematic, whether it be weeds, whether it be you know certain growth, you know growth, growth problems, or whatever it is, and just you know keep it keep in mind. It's very easy to kind of forget something when it's not the let's say season when everything is really nice and enjoyable. What I've had to do is, you know, with my zoysia lawn, I've actually cut it since it's been tan. I've cut it down pretty low. So, anyway, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.